Hey everyone, welcome to episode 10 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Bryn Jackson. This week we're sitting down with Tim Van Dam, famous for his work at Koala, Instagram, he was at Facebook for a little bit, Dropbox now, working on the mailbox redesign. He's been on top of a lot of our absolute favorite products and we're really excited to talk to him. So this is our 10th episode and officially today, two months of podcasting. Just got to say thank you so much. Yeah. (laughs) Woo. Uh, Yeah. Thank you so much to everyone that's been listening, uh, tweeting at us, sending us emails, feedback. We've had amazing, like really critical feedback that we've tried to take in and adjust the format of the show over time. If you have thoughts, of course, hit us up on Twitter. We're at Design Details FM. If you want to shoot us an email, that's Design Details FM at gmail.com. We love feedback. We love getting thoughts and new ideas. So please don't be shy. And um, yeah, let's get into episode 10. Quickly, we wanted to thank two sponsors for the show. Our first sponsor is, once again, Icon Finder. Icon Finder is the best way to find the perfect icon for your design project. They have over 450,000 icons in stock, so you're always guaranteed to find the perfect icon for whatever you're working on. If you sign up for Icon Finder Pro today, you can use the promo code ROBOT to get 50% off your first month. So check them out, iconfinder.com. Our second sponsor is once again Hover. Hover is the best way to buy and manage domain names. They take all the hassle and friction out of buying a domain and make it so fast and easy to get what you need and get back to focusing on your idea. You can go to Hover.com and use promo code BRAGDRIVEN at checkout, all in word, and you'll save 10% off your first purchase. Thanks once again to Hover. You have practice in front of a mic. Uh, I've been interviewed a couple of times. Not that much. How did the Great Discontent interview work? Is that an audio one that's transcribed? or? Uh, that was an <laughs> inter- interesting story as well. It's a, they usually do a Skype interview oh. just so you can keep talking. And they kind of want to have the same thing where it's one continuous um, interview. And it, they don't want you to be like um, limited by the amount of typing you want to do. Um, so that's, that's how they did the initial interview. And then the the next more uh, it was transcribed by the next morning. I read it, and I thought I I sounded really really dumb in there. All my answers were really like, n- not good. Um, so I retyped a bunch of the answers. <laughs> it was early morning, and having kids early morning is not the time of day where you want to have an interesting conversation because <laughs> most like um, I don't know. Uh-huh. Did they transcribe all the likes and ums, or did they cut those out? No, they're re- they, well. Obviously, they are because we don't cut really those out. <laughs> yeah. So the worst part is like in their transcriptions, um, they already do some editing. Okay. So what I got back was better than what I said that morning, and I thought that was crap. So uh, yeah, I did a I did, <laughs> I did a really poor job. Um, they were fun. They were when did you feel like we when did you start job? getting interviewed in your? career as a designer when that started kick off oh that's interesting uh it was your big break yeah ooh, <laughs> the big break um i did a lot of stuff with uh net magazine back in the uk yeah so um i think they might have been like the first interviewee type maybe before some um some people for their blog or something i don't quite remember it's been a long long time that was my favorite magazine in high school it's so good. Is, yeah. Are they still printing? They went out of 
business and then, oh, then they sure. reemerge under a different name, I think. I got oh, an email man. from, from uh, Oliver Lindbergh uh, the other day, which I still need to reply to. Uh, but so apparently they're still doing That's it. That's awesome. I think I kept every single ep- edition. Like every cover <laughs> was so awesome and like the, yeah. the quality was so cool. They always managed to get a, a good set of people to write new content. It wasn't yeah. a, well. They obviously had a fixed a fixed set of uh, people writing for them, but like a lot of the UK designers, like mm-hmm. Andy Bud, uh, yeah. Simon Calls, and all those all those uh, people, uh, it was always interesting. So, what happened after you got to write for .NET? Um, Did that sort of put you in? It wasn't. The it, it wasn't sudden. It wasn't like one interview and and all of a sudden I got job uh, um, job offers um, around that time I think I just got started uh, as a freelance web designer and um, I did a lot of free work which financially was the most stupid thing I could do <laughs> but um, it also helped me a lot like I did um, uh, the first redesign of 24 ways mm-hmm. so um, drew put out this this mag i don't know if you probably know it like uh yeah every december for 24 days i think every day uh there's a new article written by uh another uh, author and then uh year after year they have recurring uh authors but at that point the site looked very old i'm not gonna say bad because it looked good when it launched but you know web design like it moves fast it's like Mm -hmm. it's like fashion so i offered to redesign it uh, spend a whole week on it, not getting paid for it, but having a lot of fun because this was, this was, the the, the ultimate dream of any designer is like designing a website and the people who are gonna look at it and read it are people like me, so I could play with all the new web technologies like RGBA that was like a, a brand new thing. So I started going crazy. Um, and it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, hand over the design didn't really think a lot about it but apparently like it meant a lot for a lot of people a lot of people got inspired by it a lot of people saw that the the current technologies they were using this was still very much after everything needed to be internet explorer safe so this was like the first new thing it was it was it was edgy it was like you shouldn't really build a website this way because not everyone is going to be able to look at it but look at all these new technologies. Yeah. Um, so it was fun. How old were you when you reached out for that? Uh, let me see. 23-ish? So you were, 24? you were young and you just reached out unsolicited and just said, hey, can I yes. design your website? Yes, pretty much. Wow. <laughs> and that happened again um, with uh, another project through which I got a lot of work. Um Lauren Brichter, the creator of Tweety. Eight bits, yeah. Eight bits. Got it. So he um, a refresh. Oh, letterpress. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes, he is. He should be in the history books. Yes. Uh, of of design, even though he's a developer, he has a super sharp uh, design eye. Um, same thing. Like he launched, I think it was the first version of Tweety. Uh, he also had one other app, which is like a drawing app. It's like sketch, like way ahead of its time, like. No one really understood the value of it. it was It was brilliantly put together uh, because he's he's a brilliant um, developer. Uh, so same thing. He had an awesome Twitter client that looked amazing that that like changed everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, it, a bunch of interactions. It became one. the default Twitter app. 
yep. eventually. Twitter, Twitter bought bought it after he launched uh, the desktop app. So, um, like, hey, <laughs> I love your, I love your <laughs> app. Um, and I was very, very careful with my wording. Like, can I help you? Can I help you get a better, a better website? Uh, kind of, but you know, young and foolish, and no idea how much time it would take. And he's like, cool, but only if I can pay you. I'm like, well, I guess, I guess that's okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'll take it, sure. <laughs> but he was. Um, he just gave me the freedom to do uh, what I wanted, and and the end result is still something I'm I'm very proud of. It's not live anymore. Uh, I don't even think I have an archive of it, but it was it was fun. It was a fast project. Um, he appreciated the work I did. Um, I appreciated the freedom he he provided me with, and um, through that we we built up a relationship. And like, I got previews of everything he was working on. So I'm like, score. <laughs> that's all i wanted in life that's cool um yeah fun times so what happened from that you redesigned the 3d website and then uh job offers or did you keep freelancing for a while um i kept freelancing for a while because i i liked picking what i wanted to work on um uh, but at the same time it was, a, it was also extremely extremely lonely um i used to have an office um in our apartment, like, well, it was just a desk in the living room. It's not even an office. And the first couple of months, uh, freelancing, I would sit there every day. And then at the end of the third month, I started talking to the cat and I was like, Nope, (laughs) this needs to (laughs) change. So I found, um, some, some Ruby developers back then they're in, uh, iOS, uh, shop right now. Um, I did a project with them, a hobby project of theirs. I did design, so I went to their office every day just to get out of my office. And then when the project was over, I kept going to their office. <laughs> um, they were fun dudes. Um, they were not cats. Uh, they, even though developers had a good design taste, so I could ask for feedback. They would ask me advice on design or hiring designers for their projects. I did a couple of uh, projects with them for their clients and stuff. Um, and then, so that, that kind of became, uh, my home base. Um, but still like in the back of my mind, like I always wanted to move to the U S and work for a U.S. company because I was based in Belgium. Um, but most of my clients were from overseas, like Belgium, the UK, um, the U S, the UK, Australia, um, because for some reason, Belgians are really picky about things it's it's worse than pickies like the it's it's i don't know it's complicated i prefer <laughs> i prefer american clients who are very straightforward about what they want they're very honest um um about the the work you do like the feedback they give is it's it's open and it's valid and if you show that you're willing to work with them like they they appreciate it a lot that was a mentality that I really liked, like the the collaboration around it, the openness around the the honesty. Um, they never complained about invoices or anything. Um, not that I was um, expensive or anything back then. It was just like the the whole process to ship something to them was was way easier. So through that, through like I got interested in, in the culture, like. Why? Why is it easier to work with non-Europeans, um, and uh, just start looking around for companies that 
piqued my interest and and that I uh, knew that we're we're looking to to hire. Did you have any other findings about why it's why it was easier to work with non-Europeans besides just the straightforwardness? I think the biggest problem, especially in Belgium, is it's a small country. I think it's like 12 million uh, people living there. Um, and on top of that, a country is split in half by a language barrier. So even if you, found, if you were able to find clients, they wanted to be sure that they got their money's worth of, of, of design work because the, the market of people that they were serving wasn't that, wasn't that big. Um, even even today, when I travel back uh, to Belgium, uh, go th- go to the theater or whatever, and uh, the commercials start uh, before the movie starts. The commercials are low budget and tasteless because they had to be done at a, at a low low budget. And it's oh, it's not sad. It's it's reality. It's it's hard for them to do anything else. Like they're they're creating an ad for six million people tops. Um, so they need to stay within uh, a certain budget. Well, in the U.S., like the market is is massively, massively mm-hmm. uh, bigger. That's interesting. Like in the Midwest, a lot of what I saw was that people valued the amount of work you did versus the quality, mm-hmm. and it sounds very similar to that. Do you think maybe it's just uh, when there's a? Well, I guess it's probably a pretty dense population there. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just the amount of people of one mindset in an area i don't know i I suppose europe's more universal i guess more connected yeah more connected maybe i've never been there i'm going there i'm excited hey (laughs) is that your first time out of the country no first time off the continent though oh right right okay well mexico yeah mexico canada bahamas going to france switzerland italy i'm excited nice Road trip with the wife, finally going on our honeymoon four years later. <laughs> so when you escape back to Belgium for holidays or, or whatnot, mm-hmm. like is that a good chance to reflect on, on design work and what you're doing over here? Do you get to compare and contrast those two quite vividly? Or, or do you feel like maybe the web has changed that and it's become a, maybe a bit more universal in terms of style and things like that? Um, the number the number one reason uh, I like to go back is just to visit family, hang out with them, and hang out with all the pets they have, and just do nothing and hang on a couch. Man, you and talking to pets. <laughs> <laughs> do you have pets right now? Uh, no, we don't. No, no pets. No. Uh. We have two daughters, so yeah, cl- close. That seems like plenty. <laughs> <laughs> they actually respond. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But it's always uh, it's always good not being uh somewhere where you're constantly surrounded by the the type of work you do um like we lived in austin for a year and now we lived in in san francisco for almost three years now and wherever you go there are always people talking about work or you bump into colleagues or friends who work at different companies but do this do the same thing while that's super fun and definitely something um uh, which is hard to do in, in in belgium um, it is good to not think about it for for a while. Mm. Ignore email for a couple of days um, and just reflect on what is it I'm I'm trying to achieve here. Um, because you like the reason people move to San Francisco is to work in tech, and they work every day uh, from early till late, and 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 it's hard to you kind of lose perspective. 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 
uh, on on what you're doing. But yeah, so getting, what, getting what's away your what's your getaway right now? How do you get that perspective while living here? Uh, we try to get out on weekends, and you were in Tahoe last weekend, right? I was in Tahoe last weekend, and it was <laughs> that, that sorry, picture storm uh, amazing. It was beautiful, stalking a bit. Yeah, it I'm, looked beautiful. I'm still hurting. You don't even have to stalk him, and it's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Medium, Twitter, uh, Instagram, website, Instagram. Yeah, just trying to figure out what the best ways to share photos. Uh, <laughs> the answer is all of the ways. <laughs> have you tried like Storehouse or what's the other one? I actually made one, and I can't remember what it's called. There's a lot of services that are about telling like visual stories now. It's not just about exposure. 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 That's mm. the one. Yeah, I made I love exposure, exposure from it's really good. Yeah, my my friend Gabe Gabe Valdivia, who was on the show earlier, uh, he was in London over Thanksgiving, and I was hanging out with like all of his family. My my wife and I were with like all of his family, and we just photoshopped him into all the pictures and put it on exposure. It was super entertaining. <laughs> But like it doesn't need to be Tahoe uh, or whatever during the weekend. Like just being with with my family alone is is so good. Like I get home and my daughter now knows to, how to open the door, so she's the first one to be downstairs. She'll open the gate, and and at that point, like everything just like falls off me. All the all the worries or like whatever was going on at work, like it's done uh, till they all go to bed, and then I might grab my laptop. But like that time after work before they go to bed is is it's the best time uh, of the day that's so awesome like a lot of our guests have families they've got young kids young kids are surprisingly common here i was like yeah, i only ever see like 20 that. to 30 year olds walking around the city <laughs> and <laughs> everyone has kids surprisingly um but you are easily the most like our conversation started with basically I have to get home in time to see my girls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that, I think that's important. How how do you keep that balance in, in a city that values so much um, extra, like overtime? Mm-hmm. Do you put limits on that? Like, and just tell everyone at work that, no, when I go home, I'm with my girls until X o'clock? Um, I do, but it's not, you almost make it sound negative. Uh, <laughs> no, most of my good. colleagues awesome. understand they either ha- have kids or they have a brother or sister who have kids so they know they know what it's like to spend time with them um, but because I have a family I need to get home to I've learned to put a, uh, get a lot of work done in a short amount of time I get to work in the morning and I already know what I need to what I need to be doing next so for as long as I don't have um, too many meetings, I'll just crank out the work that needs to be done. And that, like, I've been doing this for over 10 years now. So, like, it, it takes a while to be able to do that. But there is a, having a family is very much a motivator to not fool around and just get to work, do the work properly, have 30 minute meetings instead of uh, 60 minute meetings. All of that. It's all, all the small things uh, help. Um, to do better work in a shorter amount of time. Now, obviously, when things need to be shipped, like they need to ship, there are uh, priorities. So um, at that point, like I'll stay ho- however long uh, I need to stay, or I'll I'll go home and when when the kids go to bed, I'll grab my laptop and continue um, working on whatever it is I'm working on. Which at the moment, what are, what are you working on? 
right now I'm working on uh, Mailbox for Mac, which we're hopefully going to ship soon-ish. I'm not going to put a time frame on it. It's, like, it's, it's hard. It's a pretty solid beta as it stands. I mean, it's been out for eight months. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's we've been doing a lot of uh, work that hasn't made it into the beta. Um, so there will be another beta at some point, um, which will look a lot more at home on Yosemite. Um, funny story about the current beta is we, I tried to guess what Yosemite would look like because we all heard the rumors. <laughs> With all the white. Just it was going to be all white. Uh, it was going to be all iOS. So that, that inspired the, the, current, the design of the current beta. So we kind of took a, took a step back um, and looked at how we could tweak the design to make it feel at home. Um, we, try, we, try to keep, we try to stay as close to the native design as possible, but still like with our own, like, our own style uh, in it. How would you describe your style? I can't really put words My in it. My personal style? Uh, uh. The way that uh, mailboxes come together, like. Um, minimal with, like what's the mailbox word? is definitely minimal um all of dropbox tends to be pretty minimal it's white across with clean, the whole company, simple typography yeah. it's yeah. really impressive is that your style as well or have you sort of ad- adopted that to work with i was part of the creation of that style i think uh-huh. um but it, it was definitely there in some form before i joined them it's it's all about having the content be the most important thing in the in the design like the content shapes the design when you look at the Dropbox ios app it looks like a file system that that apple might have made and that, that was done on purpose um when you look at carousel it's all photos that's it you start interacting with the photos and then once you start doing that more options uh, appear um but they're not there by default mailbox um Especially on iOS, it's 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 all white with some sprinkles of color here and there, just to have some branding in it. Uh, but it's it's all about being able to get through your email as fast as possible, uh, like triage your inbox, and then um, be as productive as possible. Almost like at this, like email is work at the, we mm-hmm. at this point. It's not social interaction; it's work interaction. Yes, which is um, which is a different way uh, to design. But then besides the content being like the first class citizen in every app, um, you also try to be as native as, as possible. Um, I think up till this point, Mailbox has a pretty uniform look on all platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are working on, on updates just to, just like Dropbox feels like a, like a native file browser. We want, we want Mailbox to look like a native uh, mail client on, on Mac and, and Android. So one of the really interesting standout things, it feels super native, except for the onboarding and the illustrations and the, the personality pieces. Yes. Which the fact that the onboarding was like the most like talked about piece of the mailbox beta at first was just incredible. We and, should talk about that for and it was people who, who didn't glorious. get to experience that because that was probably one of the craziest yeah. things I've seen. And I don't know what the impact was. I don't know if you can share that. Uh, how... Well, first of all, just tell us about the onboarding because that was cool. How you get a, a big company to focus on that little thing in a beta is seems amazing to me. Yeah. So when 
the original mailbox launched, they had this um, this queue you could get in, mm-hmm. and you would open the app and uh, you would see your position, uh, your current position in the queue, and the numbers would go. Um, the number of people in line would go up, and your number would go would go down, and it was like people were fascinated by it. Mm-hmm. It's, it was like they had a legitimate reason to do that. Because I remember like, getting tons of attention at the time. Yeah, a lot of flack as well. Yeah. Yes. Well, it, but they had they not uh, done that, like the the servers the servers yeah. would have crashed after after right. an hour back yeah. then. Um, when the when the desktop client launched, we wanted to do something that was kind of a similar experience um, because we were still very much working uh, on the product, and I think the servers could have stayed up, but the the app probably had some some minor issues with it. So we didn't want to. The first plan, obviously, was let's do the same thing uh, as before because hey, it worked. But then we re- realized that it needs to be something a bit more, a bit more fun. Um, and then they came up with uh, with the coins in the in the tin can, and that was like that was a couple of weeks before we shipped the beta, and then they they built it in a really short uh, amount of time. And it was fun. People like were sharing them everywhere. It was just fun to see the interactions about it. Um, people asking strangers, like, "Hey, do you have a coin for me?" And then sending it. They would send it over, and they would connect. Sometimes, like, actually, who are you? I know you have a coin, but like, uh, they you know, they would start following each other on Twitter or whatever. Um, I'm umming a lot. <laughs> That'll happen. <laughs> it's all right. It's so. All right. Very early on, we got a lot of flack for saying like every other word. And rather than spending an extra hour editing out every single instance of like or the majority, we decided that we're just going to leave it in and try and get better at it ourselves. Yeah, it's good. It's been a huge focus on like how listening <laughs> to yourself talk, which is so this kind really, of really, really hard to do. A lot of this meta stuff we, we would normally take out, but the ums we now leave in. Yeah. I think the last one I really edited hard was, I don't know, like number four or five. It's pretty early. I think Gabe made me give up because all of his words run together. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Gabe. Um, He's got I'm, that sexy accent. You can't deal with it. <laughs> I'm I'm curious, and maybe, I guess I just don't know. Um, why why go for like a purely native look as opposed to? I mean, maybe Apple would say that's the best thing to do. But why why go pure native in terms of the style rather than? keeping your own personality and Dropbox's personality, like with the white tab bar and, and stuff like that. Why get rid of that for native? Is there, yeah, why? Um, I think it comes back to the fact that UI design is, is very much like fashion. The more, the more you design something, the more you make the, you polish the Chrome or whatever, the faster it will lose its, this feeling of it's something new or something current. Um, so it's about timelessness, would you say? Yes. Time, half timelessness and the other half uh, not being distracted with what's going on uh, around the content that you're trying to interact with, whether it's a file or a footer or, uh, mm-hmm. or an email. And we found that that works out really nicely. And it is, it's easier to maintain over the long term uh, too. And at a certain point, people start focusing so much on the content that they, even when 
iOS makes some changes into their style or whatever, and you have to follow and you have to change some of your Chrome, they kind of don't notice it because the most important part on their screen is still pretty much the same. Um, it's also, it's very, it feels very lightweight and gives you the option to focus more on the interaction part of it instead of just purely the, what does it look like? So we, that's what we spend a lot of time on is getting interactions right, putting in subtle animations, um, like these, these tiny nuggets of delight. If you want to. Tiny nuggets of delight. Tiny nuggets of delight. There, there we go. go. <laughs> McDonald's. Titles. For tonight. Um, it's just a fun way of designing. Like it allows you to pay attention to the details. Um, do you do much work for iOS, Brian? No. Or I, Android? No, I, I did uh, last year, but not too much anymore. That That's the one thing I wish I had more time to do is is like go back and work on some of those small, like those little things. Uh, but like that's why the blog posts have been so much fun. Yeah. Exploring. You study this stuff. How do you feel about it? Uh, yeah, I think it's the small things that, that take you from good to great, right? So you can have a really easy to use product and stuff. And, and that's great if, if you like let people get through a flow really smoothly. Um, but when you add these small touches, like what was a good one? Um, like with, with Tumblr, uh, they have like sort of in-app tutorials and their, their confirmation text is something like rad or cool. <laughs> got it. Rather than just saying, okay. And see, like you both smiled. That's those are the little things that tiny I like. Where delight. it's just this tiny little like someone's gonna read that and smile and be like, "All right, these are actually people designing this product. It's not. This isn't just a computer, right?" But um, for the majority of the stuff, it, it, I think most users expect it to work a certain way, and so doing the default tends to be the easiest way to make it user friendly very quickly. But you can you can add. You, I think yes. you can add to that default, right? With with small animations and stuff, right? Yeah. What are some of your favorite nuggets from maybe any Dropbox product or any product, actually? Um, one thing I really love, uh, which was designed by a developer, actually PM, he came up with it, is uh, in, in Dropbox when you save a file, and uh, since, I think since a couple of weeks ago, also in, in Carousel, when you save out a photo, uh, it brings up what looks like a, a default alert view. And then in between the the area with the copy and the area with the buttons, there's this blue blue bar filling up, and it's he he was just combining an alert view with the progress bar you see in Safari, and it just worked and it was beautiful. And we're like, this looks exactly like what Apple would do, and we're not we're not even gonna touch it. We're not gonna like polish it, brand mm-hmm. it, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like we want this to feel as if it came with your iPhone, not the app. Wow, I love that. It's like the obvious solution. It, it It's not obvious when you're at first yeah. building it, but as soon as you see it, it's like, oh, that's how it's supposed to be. <laughs> yes. Um, I think uh, Gentry Underwood, who was uh, one of the founders of Mailbox, who's new, now head of design, he's always pushing for that exact sentiment. Like, we will design 20 different variations of something. And then at the end, we end up with this design that is so straightforward they were like, why, why didn't we do this at the beginning of this? Because this makes perfect sense. And, and he always pushes us to go through, like, to keep iterating and to keep exploring. And you, you, 
at a certain point, you you can feel like if something feels too fancy, like you know there's something wrong with it. Mm-hmm. You you know you need to keep iterating on it, um, especially with with any of the Dropbox products because people people upload like their most intimate digital files to Dropbox and and they don't want flashy things flying around or like gradients uh, everywhere. Yeah, they want to have an app that they know they can trust. Um, which makes it really, really hard to design for. Mm-hmm. Um, also, a lot of fun. I feel like a lot of time, it, design isn't so much creating as discovering. It's like science, right? It, you're not creating science. You're discovering these things that just are there, right? Yeah. Um, I feel like a lot of time, design has, like, when you look at something that is truly beautiful, it has such fundamental math and it's just a process of digging and digging and digging until you find the right thing. And then you just know it when you see it. Yeah, there's a certain feeling to it, right? When something feels feels right. It's not always... It, I wouldn't... I don't think I'd go as far to say it's like math. I would say it's more on like the emotional side. Like this feels right. I can't quantify how, but... I don't know. That's my perspective anyhow. Tim? I, I agree with the math. Because Fair enough. That's... It's how I like to approach design. Like, if yeah. it makes sense, if everything falls in the right place, yes. and it, it it's it's so perfect that it's almost boring. Mm-hmm. That that's what you want. That's what you want to ship. Brian and I fundamentally differ on this concept of a designer's intuition is sometimes better than user feedback. I believe that user feedback, to a degree, is always the best thing you can get. Getting data is the most important thing you can do. But I see this thing pop up all the time where it's like, well, you're a designer because you have taste. I don't think that's wrong. I just don't think that's more important than data. Well, okay. When, when I, you say we fundamentally disagree, I think that that's inaccurate because I don't fundamentally disagree with that. I agree with that, but I think there's more to the, the picture than just like, here are the numbers and this is the best decision based on these numbers, right? I think you're both right. <laughs> um, Diplomatic. I like it. Thanks. <laughs> no, it, it, it sits in the middle somewhere. Yeah. Like, yes, designers have taste, um, and taste is is like a muscle that you can improve on over years and years of uh, time. At the same time, you need to be well aware of what's going on outside of your office. Like, numbers are important, but they shouldn't be the leading factor. It's 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 about empathy. Like. Yeah. Absorb the numbers or the conversations you have with actual actual users and then almost kind of forget about it like let it sit in the back of your mind um and and go from there. And at that point you will make tasteful decisions that are um backed up by numbers, by feedback, yeah. by what actual people do with your app. That's fair. Do you want to take a second to uh, thank a sponsor? Yeah, yeah, let's thank our sponsors. I just want to take a second to thank Hover. They're one of my favorite products. They've been with us from the very beginning. Domain names are one of like the necessary evils of technology in a lot of cases. They're something you kind of have to have, and there's a lot of hassle behind it. Getting your name once you come up with like a really cool brand is kind of difficult, so you really have to like make it first. They have really cool tools for finding domain names, so you can just take a term and search it across like all the crazy top-level domains like your dot coms dot xyz's loving dot gurus yeah i like that you can you can just type in any keyword and it'll give you 
everything that's available. So you, even if the dot com's taken, they're at least going to suggest you something that's usable. And you might even find one that's better. They'll, they'll give you all the options right up front. They'll tell you all the prices. It makes it really easy to just find your name, whatever it is, and get back to working on your stuff. And if you have domains on other services, you can use their really awesome valet transfer service to move it all over. Switching from one registrar to the other is like an impossible process. I just went through it. I tried to do it myself and I couldn't. The valet transfer service saved my butt. Like it was so good. So if you're on another registrar, it's really easy to switch over. If you've never bought a domain before, it's really easy to get started. You can use our promo code brag driven all one word to save 10% off your first purchase and honestly you have no reason not to so thanks once again to hover and we're back (laughs) (laughs) we listen to too many comedy podcasts yeah um that was straight amir can we talk dribble sure dropbox has a huge presence on dribble right yes it's it's fascinating. It is fascinating. How do you approach that? Like, what's your thought on? All, do you incentivize sharing? that? Yeah. Do you just encourage that, or is it something that is natural to these people? I mean, you guys have a ton of big name designers. Maybe they have a quota. Like, <laughs> we have to share five a week. We need three thousand likes per week. Or <laughs> <laughs> right, you don't get money. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh. What I love about Dribble is uh, the community aspect of it. And a lot of the people we hire um, are not unknown to the community. They've, they've been involved in the community for years uh, before they, they joined Dropbox. And we don't want to be a company where a designer joins and all of a sudden they, they disappear. Um, we want them to be proud of the work they do even though almost no one at Dropbox does things uniquely on, on their own, right. like all the projects are collaboration between designers. So you'll see two designers post um, screenshots of the same app, and that means like they worked on it together. Um, and we just we we like being open about the the process. We don't show a lot of in process um, designs, but we will show them as soon as. We we can talk about it, um, and it's it's great to see the community respond to it because like if one of our illustrators posts something that will be on the popular page almost immediately, and that's that's just amazing to see because um, a lot of thought went into that, and every everything the the product designers do basically has very little emotion in it on purpose, and that's being counterbalanced by everything the other. Ooh, ninja. <laughs> and that's being counterbalanced He's by... He's a father. <laughs> yes, I am a father. <laughs> Almost spilled water. Yeah. So the, the illustrators do a lot of the, the emotional carrying. And that work comes out in the onboarding. Or you, you bump into an empty state or something. And we don't want it to be blank and boring. But we want it to be welcoming. And like, hey, here's what you can do with it. And uh, always like comes with a little wink. Uh, always something something quirky in there um but we were talking about dribble um <laughs> hey illustrations are really popular there <laughs> yeah um yeah we can't complain <laughs> <laughs> we've been able to hire um a big variety of designers from different backgrounds um we've had 
illustrators turned product designers, product designers turned illustrators because that's where their passion was. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the combination of all these different types of people um, makes it a fun bunch, <laughs> uh, basically. But they're all very open about like, sharing their experiences, the things they've learned, the issues they've had. So um, I'm, I'm always excited when we hire someone new who can, who can bring in something new, something we didn't know before. Someone that can tell us why we've been doing something wrong or whatever, and has a like valid argument for it, um, because that's what like working together is about. It's not about constantly agreeing about everything. It's about saying like, it's about pushing each other. It's about giving good feedback and 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 talking about it. I was gonna say that sounds a lot like the user feedback loop. Like users are very frequently just like yeah it's really good it's really pretty but what you really want is to hear what confuses them what broke what what the mm-hmm. problem is i i've just been doing user testing um for my new job and users just like yeah it's really good okay but, but what what broke? <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's that doesn't get me anywhere <laughs> yeah i know it's pretty i spent a lot of time making it pretty but let's see if it works for you now i think good designers are able to listen to a lot of that feedback and like, yes, you can have people who are like, oh, it's, it looks awesome, looks like this, whatever. But then on the other hand, you have people like, oh, it should be doing this and I want this feature and this feature. Yeah. And in both of those conversations, you're going to pick up uh, valuable bits of information that are actually something you, you should be solving. But um, just like taste is a muscle, like the ability to listen to feedback and to process it into a set of things that you actually want to take action on. That's another muscle you need to, you train and, and you do that by experience. I feel like a lot of designers take critique as, at least early designers, I feel like especially, they take critique as criticism of themselves. They conflate their work with their ego a lot. And so from the outside, people are worried that like, they don't want to tell someone that something they did was bad. If they know the designers in their room in like a user testing session, a lot of times they'll be like gentle. Well, this can take us back to the dribble thing because the, I mean, you you said you guys don't post works in progress and I think that's probably the only complaint of dribble. I think dribble is amazing. I love it. Uh, I think the only complaint is that it's, it's become a place of final polish. If you're, if you're a product designer and you work for a big company that makes money in some way, whether it's ads or people actually pay for the product, there is a competitive, um, like you can't just go and, and share the things you're working on because then like others mm-hmm. will, will see that and they will know what you're up to. And it, it's, at that point, it's very unrealistic to, to share work in progress. Uh, I remember the first couple of months or the first year of Dribble, it was a closed community and people were kind of okay with sharing actual in-progress work because they knew exactly who was, who was seeing it, who was able to, to, to look at it. But then as soon as it went open, like you can no longer do that. And that's not because people are afraid of feedback or whatever. It's just, it's reality. Mm-hmm. What about going back after the fact and, and showing some of the process work? Have you guys been able to do that at Dropbox? Um, I don't think, I think we've, we've shared some uh, branding explorations for Carousel. Uh, that might have been it. The... I- is that something that you could do after the the product's launched and it's no longer a competitive disadvantage to share? Do you think there's value in that? There is value in it, but it's it's hard because 
obviously as soon as something ships, you start working on version points one to fix a bunch of stuff. And like usually like if you want to take some time off around launch, you do it before you launch, not after. Mm-hmm. So once once you ship, it's it's hard to to actually put time into going back and looking to, through those mocks. Also, at that point, like those mocks probably look horrible uh, compared to what you ship, or um, like. Yeah. But that's that's okay, right? I've, I feel like the majority of the the value there is to people who are just coming up, learning yeah. how the pros do it quote unquote yeah that'd be inspiring to see that even even dropbox like i would say it just at the might... very top right now in the design world is like even you feel like some stuff wasn't that great at the beginning and being able to see that process from that into to what is finished and of course i know there's lots of constraints working at a big company but that is yeah. i think valuable to, to some people i think another small issue is while you're working on a project, things change. Yeah, like definitely. Deadlines mm-hmm. uh, come up. You need to cut some features that will be brought back later. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah. If you need to start cutting all those bits out, you you can show like half of it. It's like, <laughs> look what this could have been. Half of it just says blur over it or like <laughs> yeah. a black square. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, there's a lot of value in it, but it's hard. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of sad. It's hard. I think... S- you can still share some of that if, again, if you're if you're talking in a smaller setting um, at some meetup where you know exactly who is in the audience, and you can tell them beforehand, and you can look them in the eyes, like "Do not share what I just showed Friendly. you," and all that. Maybe at that point it's possible, but if it's a dribble is an open community, anyone can take a look at it. It's hard, um, and there's still the issue that people will misinterpret what they just saw something in progress and they will be like, why didn't you ship that? And this and that. And you need to, you open this whole channel of communication, uh, that would take even more time to, to stay on top of. And I realize that like, it sounds kind of douchey, but that's like, <laughs> it, it's not, I think that like, it's a reality. Certainly. I mean, you don't have much choice in that. Yeah. Right? No one does. No one does. Yeah. Let's take time to thank another sponsor. I want to quickly thank Icon Finder for sponsoring this episode of Design Details. Icon Finder Pro gives you virtually unlimited downloads of premium icons. Uh, they're made by top illustrators who actually make their living from icons. These and are amazing illustrators too. Amazing You'll, illustrators. We know some of them. These are like the people who are popular on Dribble for their icon work. Yeah. So they're they're putting their icons there. You can go and you buy them. Uh, and the illustrator actually gets 70% of the revenue from that. So you're, you really are supporting designers and helping them make a living. Uh, Icon Finder also has a uh, service called Icon Finder Pro, which is a monthly subscription and you get access to all of the icons. Uh, so you're not buying them one by one. They have an amazing search so you can find any icon you need. Unlimited uh, downloads, right? Unlimited downloads, no watermarks. Uh, they come in SVGs, PNGs. They work in Illustrator, Photoshop, Sketch. Seriously, every icon you can imagine. And they're adding 20,000 new ones every single month. It's the best place to find an icon right now. So check them out. That's iconfinder.com. And if you sign up for Pro today, you can use the promo code ROBOT when you sign up and you'll get 50% off your first month. So check them out, iconfinder.com. Thanks so much for sponsoring this episode. Yeah, think something you're excited or passionate about right now. What are you excited about right now? Uh, it's a tough one. The older I get, the more grumpy I get about <laughs> software. <laughs> what do you want to debate about the most? Do you want to brag about meeting Susan Kerr? 
that was an amazing just, event. That was that was cool. That was a stacked room. Yeah, I saw her speak. I didn't say a word. I just listened, took it all in, yeah. and be like, "You rock! <laughs> you are awesome!" <laughs> that bomb icon, like the print that they put on the wall of the subway station, or whatever, that was amazing. And they did yeah. like a a pattern of that in like a shirt. So cool. And she's like, yeah, they steal it, but it looks really good. <laughs> I love the comments you made on the tattoos. Like, yes. yeah, they 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 kind of look shitty. <laughs> <laughs> Pixel art doesn't look great on skin. Turns out. But that was fun. It was just like, she was so down to earth yeah. and nice. And I was like, you created the jobs of yeah. all the people in this room. You, you began be- this industry effectively. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. That was amazing. It's it's pretty insane that like Apple started the initial like user design system, and then when the iPhone came out, that basically started like the new version of it for like everyone. Yeah. I'm is, is the Apple Watch the next? Or at least phase they kickstarted it. <laughs> is the Apple? No, you, can, you get you two can, font sizes. You can it's rant done. if you want. <laughs> I am looking forward to whenever it is that we make the same jump uh, that we made to the iPhone. Like we went from feature phones and like semi smartphones to the iPhone, and uh. it was it was it was a jump in between. Um, but now, like seven years later, we're still using the same type of device. It's a bit faster, it has some more features, the same UI. They they gave it another skin, again more functionality, whatever. But there's nothing like you're still typing on the keyboard, and a keyboard is a horrible way to put in information um the way most applications um are structured like the hierarchy of everything the the way they animate it's still built on what was what was there seven years ago like i don't know when this next jump will will happen and i don't think it will be like this the same phone we have today like it will be a new device i'm I'm guessing that's going to be exciting and at the same time i kind of like Wish I was a fly at the at the Apple offices while they were building <laughs> <Don't> we <all? laughs> the best operating system ever. Like mm-hmm. I just, it's like they they came from the future and then like, oh yeah, this is what we saw. Let's mock it up or whatever. Like, how long have they been working on it in complete yeah. secrecy? Who was working on it? Like a, a couple of people came for it, but it's it's still very much uh, unclear. Do you see wearables playing a? big part in the future uh wearables in the sense of like watches and and things like that google glass yeah google glass watches like what's your opinion on that in in the future of was it paul technology that, and ui design and was it paul that said that google glass had value that was like the first time i'd ever heard uh, that uh, statement avi yes i agree I, th- I think avi's spot on so my roommate and his fiance both had a google glass and the only thing they ever used it for was cameras and i'd don't think I ever saw a single picture come out of it. But that, <laughs> they'd well, go like on day trips and then like they would take pictures, but they just didn't look that good. But that was what Avi was saying is could be the huge value. He was talking about um, surgery. Like what if you could have a wearable uh, and people can see what you're doing in real time and you could be getting feedback or advice from a, a control room or, or getting some sort of like real time feedback based on what you're actually seeing in the medical world, in the science world. Um, that could be cool. Yeah. When I look at the Apple Watch, like the the hardware is beautiful. It reminds me a lot of the first generation iPhone. So, like, I'm guessing within five years it's going to be even flatter and and whatever. But the only thing I'm not convinced about is the software. Like, 
the use cases you were just talking about are probably possible with the hardware we Apple will, will give you or like you will pay a lot of money for. But um, I'm just not convinced by the software they, they present it. Now, it can, it can be that they only presented a subset of what they're planning on doing with it. And then at launch, uh, was it Monday? Um, uh, Tuesday. Tuesday? The 9th, yeah. Anyway, soonish. Uh, the day after this comes out. Tomorrow, guys. Tomorrow. And if you're listening to it today, then it's today. <laughs> Should we should we go through every day after that and like work <laughs> and it, was it out? Yesterday. <laughs> it was yesterday. Two days ago. <laughs> but I think that the software will be really really interesting. Um, people are like people are still getting used to the, the fact that you have what was on your desk ten years ago, what was in your pocket, what's in your pocket today, on your wrist, basically. So um, I'm hoping a lot of creative people come up with hacks around what apple presented and the way apple wants you to build apps for it and those will like that will uh unleash a snowball effect of of new apps and new exciting things and people will jump on it but i'm hoping that will happen like yeah i i'm in the same boat as you it's like i feel like this software is ios one right it's like this looks nice it works um you get this cool like touch effects and stuff but then you compare the software of iPhone stay and just what what's possible with an app, uh, you know, seven years later, compare that with maybe where the watch will be in seven years. It's like maybe there will be some pretty insane apps that that'll be awesome. That really, yeah, just look so different than what's possible yeah. today, right? I think seven or ten years from now, like the Google Glass, the Apple Watch, it, it won't be these bulky devices, but they'll either be part of something you would wear anyway, like an accessory or something, or I don't know implants, dude. Now I want to be Lobot so bad. <laughs> I don't know about implants. I feel like it's inevitable, but all right, biohacker. It's scary. Uh, it's How like, are you feeling about not being on polyphasic sleep anymore? Uh, Speaking awesome. of hacking your body, <laughs> yeah, I tried polyphasic sleep for a couple of weeks. How how did that go? Um, I made you it. Wrote about it on weeks. a medium. Don't don't ask him. Just go read it. Okay. Well, I no, I did write about it because I wanted to like reflect on it later. Uh, yeah, I went two and a half weeks getting about four and a half hours of sleep a night. It's just like having kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like this, this is normal for you. Um, I got more done in the last two weeks than I've gotten done in a long time. I felt more relaxed and at peace with the day than I have in a long time. Because like, you had more of it? Yeah. You didn't feel like you were running out all the time? There was a few days where I would have gotten a full day's worth of work done by 11 a.m. And I would chill and go take a walk with my dog and read a book and hack on side projects. And that was awesome. Yeah. You got very talkative during that time. I got a lot of text messages. (laughs) (laughs) Bryn wakes up just with like 20 messages. Dude, I've been thinking about this and I've been thinking about this. (laughs) <laughs> um anyways implants <laughs> i think it's too early to start talking about those like that might be like a next generation thing yeah maybe we can have another podcast in five years <laughs> okay <laughs> do you have ideas about like what a better interface would be compared to keyboards like what what would your ideal one be in a sci-fi world i feel like a lot of what we do is borderline sci-fi though or try to do what do you mean it's not always possible currently it's technologically probable in the near future it seems like that's a lot of what we aim for in this world, like in the current day. It's like, well, soft, hardware has to get better. 
So it's mm. like near future sci-fi. Like hologram stuff, you mean? Yeah. Mm. VR isn't quite there yet. It's getting close. I mean, that's Snow Crash, right? That's what it's called. We'll let you answer now. <laughs> we'll uh, let you answer now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we like asked him a question then just started <laughs> having your own little team. The, the biggest issue with um, input mechanisms is like um, before touchscreens, we had hardware keyboards. And like Steve Jobs famously said, like, you can't add a button or whatever. And that's true. Like for the longest time, we, everything we put into a computer was done with the same, the same set of keys. Everything we put in a phone was done with a different set of keys, but still the same on, on that device. And it kind of sucks that even though we have the most advanced computer in our pocket right now with a touchscreen where you can basically do whatever you want, we still use the same keyboard for every single situation. Mm-hmm. Um, like text messages, I don't know, like maybe in five years we only communicate through stickers and you have like a, a bunch of stickers. <laughs> like Japan. I'm half emoji <laughs> like now anyway. Most, most of my texts are thumbs up emojis. Probably 90%. <laughs> All right, I'll take it. <laughs> but it's, it's building input mechanisms, um, even if they're just software and you have a touchscreen, you can touch whatever you want. It's a lot of work. To do uh, to do it custom for every single case, which is why we all come back to the the, the same dumb keyboard, pretty much that, yeah. that we use. At the same time, like using voice input is extremely awkward. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, especially in public. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not even easy. Like when you're on your own, though. Like I feel weird. Like okay, so I ride a motorcycle. I have an intercom system on my helmet. I will talk to Siri and like try and call my wife or brian or whatever and if siri doesn't think something is pronounced one way i can't do anything i have gloves on i can't touch my phone i can't cancel cancel (laughs) trying to hang up my phone from an intercom system when i'm riding is like impossible so i end up leaving a lot of like long awkward messages to my wife she's like so i'm leaving you a message now i'm kind of stuck with it uh give me a minute and i'll shut this thing off But so. we'll reach a point where software is smart enough to not just accept commands but like make sense of human sentences yeah and and figure out what needs to be done so you think voice is the next step i don't feel like voice is private enough that's that's my biggest issue with it it's always going to be awkward yeah um i don't know maybe that's where i see like implants being really awesome is like um there was just a story about a woman i think she was quadriplegic and she flew a fighter jet with her brain i saw that headline See, like that to me is the most intriguing use for quote unquote wearables because there's been monitors that can measure brain waves. I mean, there's little things like the, what is it? The Thalmic Labs Myo band or whatever it is, where you just, you do certain hand gestures and it triggers things. So like you can do this and it'll like, or I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm doing gestures on a podcast. This is great. <laughs> Fascinating. You, you can do like the Spider-Man thing and it'll like shooting a video game or it can like w- with mm. one finger can do something with two fingers can do a different command like pause and start like your iron music man. iron man what's iron man that's that no like uh this is bad we should stop doing gestures on a podcast <laughs> like this no like that <laughs> ew what's that mean? gross tim stop it just got weird in here put your clothes back on clean shirt <laughs> uh that is a Weird inside joke to make. <laughs> no, I'm I'm excited to see where gestural and I don't know. I'd love to see neural stuff come in, but I think we're a long way off on that. 
Yeah. I think getting direct neural input will be a very close second to getting direct neural output or maybe even drive it. Mm. I think that'd be really cool. Simulate the brain directly instead of focusing on external senses. That'd be really intriguing. Where do you see yourself working uh, in the design world in 10 years? Like working on this sort of stuff or are you really passionate about the web and, and UI and UX and things like that? <laughs> those all kind of fall together right <laughs> okay sorry that was yeah the web might the... be directly input in your hypothalamus. i meant i, I meant know. um moving beyond like working in the browser mm. or an iphone well i haven't designed a website in a long time but ui design yes i think a lot of a lot of it will depend on whatever happens like whatever advancements are being made in technology i always l- uh, love to play with new ways to interact with a piece of software or through a piece of software. Um, so it's, it's hard to say, like, my passion will always be about creating things that people can use that will, something they, they appreciate, something that, that is meaningful to them. Um, whether it, it's like fulfilling uh, some type of functionality that they want to use or uh, it's entertaining like a game. I don't know, just yeah, people interacting with technology. I'll be working somewhere somewhere in that in that area. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> Till the day you die. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, or I'll go like farm strawberries somewhere. <laughs> strawberries are good. Yeah, that works. Yeah, yeah. Unless you have an allergy. Way to ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. I'm so, only allergic to avocados, so... Yeah, Bryn's allergic to avocado. Besides that, like, I don't know, building software is like 49% of the time, I hate it. I think everything <laughs> sucks, and why why do we even build software? And the other, like, 51% of the time, it's, it's fun. And you see people use it, and they uh, they enjoy it. You can see them do things. You can see them save their photos forever and ever. Um, or like the things like the, their house burns down, but the, they still have all their digital things because mm-hmm. they're on Dropbox, for example. Or they're really good at getting through their email. Yes. <laughs> um, their house I'm, burned down, but all their email's gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your email should burn down in case of fire. I always joke that I hate email. That's the reason I love working on on mailbox <laughs> email client. And it, it's true. It's such a horrible way to communicate, and and people have bad etiquette at how they handle email. Um, I have very strong feelings about email. <laughs> I, I think they're like, as a designer, a lot of people are like, "Oh, you want freedom," but really, what I want are boundaries and guidelines. And user feedback is a good way to create guidelines or boundaries because you have to build for a certain subset of people and it's based on what they want email is built for everyone so it's really focused on no one the tools are the same for everyone and they're not great like for composing for example you have a subject field and a couple boxes for like who to send it to and then you just have an open field Mm -hmm. and that is junk like that's like like it's it's an empty word document effectively that's not valuable you know like 
it, it doesn't help people create good content. Yeah, how how do you think about email etiquette? Like, what are what's your advice for people that email you? Just keep it short. Don't tell me hello, my name is because I know. Don't use a signature. Like, if if you got this email but it wasn't supposed to be for you, like, <laughs> please destroy it. <laughs> Copyright warning. Print our emails. Like, uh, the biggest problem with email is that everyone uses it in a completely different way which makes it hard and exciting to build software around it because there are all these different use cases that you need to adapt to. Well, how are you guys approaching that with Mailbox? Like what, what are the next steps for you in, in <laughs> making that better for people? Next steps are, are hard to discuss, but I think a good current example is um, the auto swipe functionality we have. Like there is a mechanism and it, it listens, well, not listens in it, it sees how you interact with a certain uh conversation like new emails come in and you always do the same thing with the email um then it will suggest it and there's nothing magical about it because magical software is the worst but uh it's very logic and straightforward like next time that email comes in we ask you like do you always want to take this action that you usually uh take on this i think it's a very good first step it's a very safe uh first step in having a tool help you handle email. Mm-hmm. And from looking at how people use that tool, like we're learning a lot and, and we're also like figuring out how to make it better, uh, how to improve the whole interaction uh, around it. Wait, could you explain what you mean by magical software is the worst? Magical software is software that does things for you for no clear reason why. Um, like I think um, when Gmail, no, when you go to Gmail, they will show you a bunch of emails and hide some others. Uh, I know they're like, they're always improving it, but it's not, you're not sure why am I seeing these emails, but not the, not the other ones. Why isn't this in the state I left it? Uh, why is this happening? Um, it's not the best example. There are, there are other examples out there of, like Facebook showing you not all content, mm. but a subset or a, is it even a subset? I don't know. Like in what order are they showing it to me? What's how, do, how are they doing it? There's no transparency uh, around it. I'm all about building good tools that have proper functionality and that will help people do things with it. Um, but I, I never want to hide what's, what's happening. The reason, the reason why certain things uh are happening i just saw this uh thing on little big details about dropbox and it was if you delete a bunch of files and then in a similar session you go to the support page it has like a notice across the top that says oh it looks like you recently deleted a, a lot of files is this why you're trying to get in touch with us <laughs> i love that that yeah i mean maybe a, a slightly different tangent but yeah. bringing, bringing the clarity to what's going on like why someone might be confused if why like why would they go to the support page? Oh, let's look at what they just did. Yeah. And it's a very human solution to uh, to something they figure out through uh, listening to users basically. So that's I think that's that's the most beautiful way of of building software. You build something, you see how people use it and then you filter out the the feedback and you apply it and try to do a better job next time. I love it. 
can't you think always of a be- love it you're I, loving it i'm loving it i can't think of a better way to end that was uh so fun do you want to shout out where people can find you on online and we'll we'll say anything you have to way. plug or yeah plug anything you want uh nothing new yet i'll have to hop for practice soon but um oh oh a teaser da, da, da. <laughs> no it'll take a couple of months um i'm max fultar on every everything pretty much when i first discovered you i really thought your name was max mm-hmm. a lot of people do it's very funny when someone uh, from across the street is like hey max do you respond to it i know there's a big chance that <laughs> they might be <laughs> trying to talk to me um it's it's always funny okay stupid nicknames cool well we'll uh include links to all of your stuff in the show notes um Cool. Thanks so much for taking the time to come chat with us. This was fun. Oh, I had a lot of fun. Um, it was convenient that you guys are close to the office, <laughs> but I would have been here even though it w- uh, even if it was the other side of the city. Um, but thanks for having me. We yeah. feel honored to be your excuse to get out of meetings. Yes. <laughs> we rescued you. Yeah.